GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. My pleasure to welcome uh, the CPA Secretary General, Stephen Twigg. Good afternoon, Stephen. Good afternoon. Uh, The chairperson of CPA Small Branches and also speaker of the Australian Capital Territory Legislature. Good afternoon to Joy Birch. Good afternoon. Lovely to have you here. And also, and I must confess, I hope you don't mind me saying, uh, Lenora, but I love pronouncing your surname, and I hope that I get it right, Lenora Gere Gere Tabua. Thank welcome. you, Jonathan. Thank welcome. you for not slaughtering my surname. You did a very good job. Uh, good job. Thank you. Yes. Um, it just It's one of those names that has a lovely rhythm to it. Uh, Deputy Speaker of the Fiji Parliament, so you've travelled quite a long way to be with us. Almost literally from the other side of the planet. Yes, because uh, I, I love playing this game uh, with my children uh, where we look at a globe and we say, what's on the opposite? What's literally as far away as you can possibly go? And it's, it's, I think it's somewhere in between Australia and, and Fiji. Right. So, so there you go. We, we, we've got sort of uh, globe trotters covered between you and, and, and Joy. Um, welcome. Uh, can I just first ask you for your impressions of Gibraltar? We'll, we'll talk sort of more serious business, but, but you're also uh, coming to Gibraltar as uh, people who live elsewhere. Uh, what, what do you think of it? I don't mind who, who takes it. Well, this is my first visit to Gibraltar. And can I say it's, um, it has a reputation. The Rock of Gibraltar is known to many, but to actually be up close to it is quite remarkable and you know walking around your fine city and country just the history and the heritage really sort of brings all of that home so I've enjoyed every moment. Thank you. Um, uh, what about yourself and Nora? I heard you uh, might have been on a, an e-bike tour? Yes yes I, I, I booked myself on an e-bike tour as soon as my trip was here was confirmed. I had a day f- available before the meeting and a day after, and I said, I am not going to waste a single minute. <laughs> I'm going to travel halfway around the world, so I'm going to see as much of Gibraltar as well, I can. Well, that's the thing. It would be a real shame, wouldn't it, to travel this far and not um, you know, do what you do exactly. uh, when you're visiting for the first mm. time. So I'm glad you've enjoyed it. And uh, Stephen, I don't think it's your first time. I may be wrong, but um, I don't think it's your first time it's in Gibraltar. It's my second time. There so I go. was here last October, but it's great to be back, and I haven't had quite so far to travel coming from London. <laughs> and, um, and and you're here on serious business. Uh, there's an executive uh, meeting, so the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association. Uh, for somebody who is not familiar with mm. the organisation, what is it that you do? So we're a very old organisation and we represent all of the parliaments of the Commonwealth, big and small. So we have about 180 parliaments in membership and we've existed for more than 100 years. And our role is to give support to our members of parliament across the Commonwealth and to be a voice for parliaments within the Commonwealth. Okay, and um, this, what, what you're doing at the moment is housekeeping? In, in so a terms? lot of because it's the executive committee, uh, a lot of it is about housekeeping and the the finances and the the legal status of the organisation. But it's also looking at some of the challenges that are faced by some of our small branches, including Gibraltar. Some of the big issues like climate change, some of the impacts that COVID has had on things like health and education. Is that lessening now? Would you say? I mean, uh, or, or I mean, we haven't quite moved past it, but it, we are beginning to, aren't we? Look, I look, I believe so. And uh, Fiji, you know, the nations are now open. So the f- movement, freedom of movement, I think, has helped. 
in respect of public finances, uh, we've we've also seen um, an economic downturn. Uh, so I imagine that that that's also something which you know sort of lingers from COVID, but now morphs into a more general sort of economic malaise, which makes it harder for parliaments to afford the things that they would like to do. And 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 I suppose this is something which again might be a recurrent theme across uh, different parliaments. It, it is. Uh, we wouldn't be here from Fiji if it wasn't for for funding and I know help in, in getting here from, from the CPA. So uh, for us in Fiji right now, uh, our, our parliament is, you know, tightening the purse strings a little bit um, because we've just had an election in December 2022. And so, you know, we've most of us have hit the ground running, but at the same time, we've got to keep a very close eye on the purse strings. Okay, so an opportunity to bring in Stephen on the on this point of uh, you know funding and assisting some of the um, smaller members of your association. All of our parliaments are equal. So whether a parliament is representing a small jurisdiction like Gibraltar or is the National Parliament of India, where half the Commonwealth citizens live, uh, all of them are equal. And I was recently in the Pacific in Tonga uh, alongside colleagues from Fiji and from Tuvalu. Small parliaments in smaller jurisdictions. Jurisdictions, we can give them very practical support, particularly skills training, sharing best practice, sharing knowledge is very much what the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association is all about. Okay, so um, great to have uh, Joy and Lenora here. Um, and to make the point, Stephen, that parliaments um, aren't yet where they need to be in terms of the representation of women. Uh, and that's true in Gibraltar and it's true. In, in parliaments across the Commonwealth. Um, let, me, let me read a, 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 a very quick statistic uh, on that. Um, in respect of uh, uh, Gibraltar, it's uh, 12% for the Gibraltar Parliament because uh, there are 17 MPs and two of them are women. Samantha Sacramento is a government minister. Marlene Hassan Naon is an opposition MP. Two out of 17 is 12%, which is you know, nowhere near 50, to state the obvious. We've decreased in the number of women that we have in Parliament, Jonathan. We had uh, 11 members in December of uh, 2020. And after the last general elections of December, we had six women in our 55-member Parliament voted in. Yeah, so similar, 10% more or less, 9%. Well, then right after um, swearing in, we lost a female member from the opposition. So now we're five out of 55. So that needs to to increase. So one in 10, broadly speaking, very mm. similar to Gibraltar. So, I mean, wh- where, what are the... Stru- this is something structural, isn't it? I mean, there are structural barriers that need to be overcome. Yes, you know, I, I think the, the parties are doing their bit. The parties are definitely doing their bit. They are trying to bring in women. On the other hand, are the voters. Why are the voters not voting for women? Why are women not voting for women as much as we would like to think that they would. In Gibraltar, there were fewer women putting their names forward in the first place. I don't know uh, what it was like in Fiji, but in Gibraltar, uh, there weren't many women who weren't voted in. I mean, there were, uh, working off memory, there were one or two, but but there just were many more men putting their names forward. And I I think with um, we're worldwide, we've seen an increase in online trolling of, of women MPs. So there's a lot of online violence when it comes to, to women MPs. So it's great to have women as chairs of boards. But when we approach them for life in politics, you see them, oh, no, that, that's for somebody else. That's not for me for today. And, and I know I don't blame them, but um, it should not be par for the course. 
It is something that we need to do as individual parliaments. Civil society and civil um, non-government organisations have a role to play in this as well about empowering and supporting women who aspire or start to think about um, a role in politics. But also through the CPA, there's a very strong push for um, gender sensitive parliaments. And towards the back end of 2002, we had um, in the ACT um, Champions for Women's Workshop. So we brought people in from Africa, Pacific, England and elsewhere to come in and talk about how do we actually change the composition of parliament. And I've presented a paper and I'm a strong believer of you can't be what you can't see. So we need more female parliamentarians. And I think then the flow is the community sees women in that position they're competent, they're capable, and therefore the community then goes to support them. I'm not going to resist a plug for the ACT, if I may, Jonathan, here. Please. But we were the first parliament in Australia to achieve more than 50% female participation. That's the Australian in, capital territory. That's right. In, and it came from a mix of deliberate strategies around that support before you even get to an election being announced. It's about how do you get the strong women, whether they're in the non-government organisations or professionals that you know, and encourage them. And when they're faced with, as Leonora said, you know, the static, um, unfortunate static that sometimes uh, follows women in, in parliamentary positions, and just you know, help them through that. So it is seen as a live and real option. But um, through the CWP and the work of the CPA, I see that changing across the Commonwealth parliaments. It won't be easy, um, but I actually am very positive and hopeful for it. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Welcome uh, to Gibraltar today. Thank you for being here with us uh, on this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we're, we've got an international lineup of guests. Um, my pleasure uh, to welcome to the studio again Stephen Twigg, uh, who is the uh, Secretary General of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association. Joy Birch is the Speaker of the Australian Capital Territory Legislature. And Lenora Geregere Tabua is the Deputy Speaker of the Fiji Parliament. Uh, we were just talking uh, about the uh, where we are with women in Parliament. And uh, the, there's this, uh, you know, mechanism, uh, a sort of a policy, if you like, Stephen, of uh, trying to introduce special temporary measures uh, to try and achieve uh, better representation of women uh, in in politics, which uh, I suppose critics would say is is manufacturing something. W what's your take on 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 these special temporary measures? So within the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association, there are different views and different practices about such measures. It does partly depend on the method that's used to elect. But what will happen in some countries, there are reserved seats for women. So I was recently in Kenya at a post-election event there, and they
they have a number of reserved seats for women. In others, if they have... And that means that only women can be only women, elected women to those seats. Only women can go for those seats and they can also go for other seats as well. I was previously a member of parliament in the United Kingdom. The British Labour Party went for a policy of saying that in certain constituencies, only women could apply to be the Labour candidate and a majority now of British Labour MPs are women. The Conservatives went for a more voluntary approach that has also seen progress with more women but not yet uh, to the 50%. So there is a variety in different places. We don't advocate a particular solution. We support our parliaments to assess the best evidence. In uh, more patriarchal societies, Jonathan, I think um, it's something that we must think about from the Pacific and, um, you know, we're very uh, patriarchal. And so it's been very, very difficult to get the levels of women representation. And it's not only about encouraging women and getting the kind of women that you want in all the parties involved, because the parties do try to get as many women as possible, but it's encouraging the voters to see women as leaders, where we come from societies where men are the traditional leaders. So it's trying to change that mindset from the traditional way of thinking, where the mo- most of the chiefs are, are males, though we do have um, some very good chiefs who are females, but just translating that into political leadership has been has been. Um, hasn't been easy. Tricky, no? Why is it a good thing to have more women in our parliaments? What what do they bring to the table and what does it tell us about the parliament if we ha- if we are able to have better representation? Well, a democracy represents the community of which it serves and the community any community is 50% women. So to me it is almost an absolute truth that if you have a truly represented parliament, you will have more women in there. And the benefit that brings is the different, a different tone, a different logic, and I'm, I'm not going into a gender argument here, but if we have female heads of companies, attorney generals, judges, it beggars belief that that isn't translated into... Uh, more women in Parliament. You know, women have succeeded across a whole range of professions um, and young girls now at school do see, you know, pilots they can aspire to, judges they can aspire to be. Um, the, The next step is to make sure we've got enough women parliamentarians so it is no longer a question that they just know that that is an option for them. Okay, so visibility, I suppose, is is what we're talking about as well for this to happen more uh, sort of naturally. Do you have a a take on whether special temporary measures would be advisable? I mean, again, if we think as the uh, public broadcaster in Gibraltar, uh, there's an election expected later this year. How do we improve on the 12 percent that we currently have in our parliament? Would you advocate, recommend, suggest that we consider some temporary measures? Um, Similar to um, what Stephen described uh, in Australia, the Labor Party does have a position of promoting or making sure there's fair representation on the ticket of women. So it's not an absolute, but there must be at least 40% women and then the community decides. In the ACT, the community, given that option, has decided to have more women in Parliament. But I also think there's a role, as I mentioned before, in civil society and to groups to actively promote the opportunities for women and go into a partnership with 
professional leadership groups to seek out and to encourage women to be involved and to actually have a say, in, and whether it's in Parliament or whether it's in supporting the other women that are in Parliament. And that just carries that message just a little bit further and deeper. In Fiji's case, for example, is you've got to have a lot of money to even stand for an election. You don't get funding from the from the federal government. You don't get um, any help. Uh, we fundraise, we use our savings. So when you look around the, the country and you say, well, how many women are going to want to risk their savings and not have any guarantee that they're going to get a seat in parliament. So that's one thing that uh, I think people need to to, to think about and I don't know what the, the case so is in Gibraltar. Even, even, to, even to run a campaign requires an investment of money. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And when it comes to young women who are just starting off uh, a business and asking them to, to stand for public office is, is a big ask still in, in our part of the world. Sure. Okay, uh, Stephen, um, uh, you know, Gibraltar's holding a general election later this year. What are your thoughts? So it's not for us to decide, but obviously our members in Gibraltar, I know from conversations that I've had with parliamentarians, both in government and opposition here, are aware of the challenge that Gibraltar faces. And we stand ready to support the new Gibraltar parliament to be a proper gender sensitive parliament, as I'm sure it aspires to do now. Okay, and uh, for anybody who's not familiar with the term, what does it mean to be a gender-sensitive parliament? So to be a gender-sensitive parliament is partly about what we've been talking about, the representation of women, including the sorts of roles that women take on when they're elected to parliament, because sometimes there are roles, perhaps uh, like international affairs, that aren't always seen as roles that go to women, so that's very important. But it's also about citizens. It's not just about the politicians. So women who live in the general public, who live in Gibraltar, having their voices heard and having the opportunity to influence the decisions that are made here. Frank is asking, does this sort of goal of 50% male-female, does the principle apply to all areas of uh, life, such as, in Gibraltar's case, uh, the military, construction, engineering? Uh, Does the panel think that it would be advisable to aim for a 50-50 split across all of these? We're actively working through uh, the construction industry now to encourage women in construction. Um, Across engineering has been a long-standing process. So we go into our high schools through STEM programs and target female students, the young girl students. So to Frank, um, come to ACT and you will see female (laughs) sparkies and female plumbers. Excellent. Uh, The Australian Capital Territory um, that uh, Joy Birch is uh, the speaker um, at. Uh, So... um, Okay, thank you. Let's uh, move on now to to climate change, which um, you know is another major talking point uh, for the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association, um, which has very kindly uh, sent uh, three representatives to speak to us on Gibraltar today, uh, and um, a- and the science of climate change is, is well established. Uh, the United Nations. Uh, The International Panel on Climate Change says that um, climate change is real. Uh, Human activities are the main cause. To prevent warming beyond one and a half degrees, uh, we need to reduce emissions by uh, 7.6% every year um, from now. Well, it was from 2019, but every year through to 2030, which is a massive 
uh, challenge, which not many places are, are, are being successful on so far. But um, but let me just put this to the panel generally. Uh, uh, climate change, wh- where do you begin? Where, do you, where are your parliaments at at the moment? So I'll say that parliaments have a big role to play in holding the powerful to account on climate change. Climate change affects all of our CPA members, but some of them are very, very directly affected. I think you're speaking later to some young activists from Gibraltar. I was at our youth parliament in November and the young member from Tonga in the Pacific made a very powerful speech in which she said Tonga is sinking. And I think in the Pacific and elsewhere, this is about their existence, it's pressing, it's immediate, and they've led the debate on climate it, it change. It feels all the more real for them. Absolutely. Uh, so, so for every year that we fail to act, the science tells us that the level of difficulty and the cost to reduce the emissions goes up. Uh, so, so parliaments have to pull their socks up and they, and they need to act on climate change quickly, don't they? Look, absolutely. And as chair of small branches, um, these are the branches that feel the impact on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. The larger parliaments, the industrialised communities, the generators of our climate change um, are in many ways somewhat removed on a daily basis. But as Stephen said, in the Pacific, um, they're losing land. They're losing croppable croppable land, they're losing land of which their traditional and ancestral houses have been on and that's a direct import um, from climate change and I believe everyone has a role to change that and governments alike should but, but challenge are, but, themselves. But are we doing so and are we doing so quickly enough or sufficiently quickly? <clears throat> Lenora's shaking her head. Lenora. Absolutely not. Um, you know, we, we are we come from the Pacific, we are the smallest emitters of greenhouse gases on the planet, yet we are the ones that are being inundated by, by seawater, by rising seawater levels. And, you know, Joe is right. You know, we're losing our traditional lands and we're so connected to our lands, our fisheries. Uh, we have a small community in the place called Navua, just outside the capital city of Suba, where their, their ages-old um, graveyards are now out at sea. You know, they can just see the tops of the crosses on, uh, on tops of, of the graves of their great-grandfather. So this is very, very real um, to us in the Pacific. So your message for, for those who need to be held accountable, including um, governments who are responsible for policy? Even for us in the Pacific, we have a real uh, responsibility in our parliaments to hold um, big business accountable for their own emissions before we even can go and preach to the rest of the world we need to look at our own backyard first so um fiji is a great example of it because we've been uh, touted as as um, climate change champions of the world however we have had cases where governments have allowed for um overseas investors to come in and cut swathes of mangroves so you know on one side we're talking about climate change, but on the other, we're acting in a very um, dishonest way, if mm. I could put it that way, when not, it comes not, to climate yeah, change. Sometimes yeah. the, the, the actions don't line up with the, right. the rhetoric. Right? Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to talk to you guys. Um, thank you so much to Stephen Twig, Joy Birch, and Lenora Geregere Tabua um, for, for your comments today. Uh, and I look forward to, to you guys being back in Gibraltar and maybe we can, we can have another discussion and hopefully report on successful progress in, in our respective 
parliaments. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Good afternoon to Adriana Lopez and Aaron Santos, uh, who have magically joined us now in the studio. Um, so, Commonwealth, uh, why, why is the Commonwealth relevant to Gibraltar, Adriana? Um, so the Commonwealth is relevant to Gibraltar. I know we've left the European Union and I'm quite sceptical when people like to compare the Commonwealth to the European Union because obviously they are extreme, extremely different. But the Commonwealth is the most fantastic way that Gibraltar is essentially propelled onto the international scene and the way that we can um, make connections and count on our other counterparts across the Commonwealth I think is the biggest um, importance and relevance to, to Gibraltar. Adriana and I both had the opportunity to go to um, New Delhi for the Commonwealth Youth Parliament in 2019 and then um, last year to Rwanda uh, for the Commonwealth, Commonwealth Heads of Governments meeting and both of those uh, meetings provide us with a platform to network with what are potentially future, future leaders and um, something that we learned you know is many people say politics is not interesting and that they are totally disconnected. But when you actually analyse that and you unpack it and you ask people, so are you not interested in women's rights? Are you not interested in education, in housing, in climate change? Everyone seems to be interested in that. And that really is politics. It's and, not all about the party political stuff. And, and that's true of young people in Gibraltar, you think? I think so, yeah, definitely. I think young people in Gibraltar might be sceptical or might not be interested in the p petty party political stuff. But when it comes to women's rights, when it comes to housing, education, employment, climate change, everyone seems to be interested in that. And you know, and this is a platform for us to be able to go and to discuss these things with like-minded individuals across the Commonwealth who have very different perspectives, very different problems, and try to formulate policy in the case of the Youth Forum, which then gets presented to heads of governments at the at the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting. More representation of women in parliaments, more representation of young people in parliaments as well. But I think more globally as well, the most important pertinent issues, at least on a global scale when we go to the Commonwealth, is definitely the environment and also the importance of education. Because I think we can speak here very freely now and luckily we all go to university or we have the opportunity to go to university, even secondary education. No, we've got a very good um, secondary education here in Gibraltar. And then when you start talking to your other friends from across the Commonwealth, you realise that actually the struggles that they're facing are much more stark than you are. So I think education especially is one of those important things we like to push in the Commonwealth, but ultimately the environment as well, because it's one of, I think, the most um, important point that is ultimately going to affect us all in the not-so-near future. Yeah, absolutely. Or rather, in the very near future. In the very near sorry. future, yeah, not the, the not-too-distant future. <laughs> exactly. Um, and even more immediately, I'm sorry that we we don't have more time, but let me, let me just ask you um, to, to sort of in a few sentences tell me um, what you're hoping... Uh, from the next general election in respect of these issues uh, and whether you think um, uh, Gibraltar can do better in terms of getting more women into Parliament? So I think that Gibraltar can definitely do better. Now, there's always uh, ways to, to do better and to attract more representation. How that happens is a matter for the political parties themselves. But I think something that should be um, fresh in our minds is that 60% of everyone in the Commonwealth is under the age of 30, you know, so that is the majority. And I think that political parties in Gibraltar need to have attractive um, policies that appeal to people like Adriana and I, you know, in terms of housing, employment, youth, education. And I think that the onus, especially in the upcoming general election, is not only on the political parties, but as well us as a community. Why are we failing to have that extra representation of women in, in our parliaments? No, so I think that's also the key question of really taking a moment to reflect and ask ourselves why there are not enough women or not, or not very few women in, in our parliament. 
Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.